Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back. Friday edition is here alongside Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us on YouTube, Facebook, on Twitter, uh, and wherever you may be joining us across the Outkick network. If you're listening to the podcast post show, we appreciate that as well. We hope you will like and subscribe and leave us a review. Live from Blackbird Studio and the Blackbird Academy today, Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com will check in in an hour with the very latest uh, from the Hill in Knoxville on all things Tennessee athletics and Tennessee football. Paul Koharski out at Titans practice, which is happening right now. We'll go live to him at 1230 Central, 130 Eastern. We hit the headlines during the hour number one. You can join the show in the chat on YouTube. You can tweet us out Outkick360, or you can give us a call later this hour as well. Chad, big night last night at 6th and Peabody, where we had some VIPs join us. It was fun. It was a blast. Hutton, just to prove all the haters wrong, the haters said we wouldn't even make it to the end of this week, and here we are <laughs> on Friday. We're still here. We made it. We're alive. We have a show. Hutton and I, some, somehow in some weird mind meld situation, wore green on the same day, but we both had the same green <laughs> shirt and didn't wear the same green shirt. Uh, but we are supporting the Masters today with our, our green shirts. Um, it was a great event last night. Big thanks to everyone who showed up at 6th and Peabody. Terrific space for entertaining, by the way. We were in the arcade room, uh, which, uh, first off, top-notch air conditioning in this room. And, uh, <laughs> I walked in with Lance. Uh, he, was, he, he brought some camera equipment last yeah. night. And we, when we walked in, that's the, the first thing I said was, man, feels, feels great in here. <laughs> I mean, it was steaming yeah. outside. Uh, and it has been all week. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the weather. It's hot outside. You all know it. Uh, I feel like I've got like a, an eternal mist on my skin from the out, outside sweat being caused. Uh, I played uh, some pretty intense ping pong games against uh, our production assistant, Regan, and uh, Jacob Swanson, um, 2-0, by the way, for me okay. in, in those games. I, I would expect that. Just to, just to reiterate. Uh, Regan goes out there and so sees the ping pong table and says, oh, I'm awesome at ping pong. I want to play Chad. Are you any good? And I said, well, I guess we're about to find out, aren't we? And then I beat her, and she said, you said you were bad. I said, no. I said, we're about to find out if I'm good or not. I just didn't say that I was good beforehand. <laughs> um, it was, but walking from that heat from ping pong into that great air conditioning at 6 and Peabody was a revelation. Uh, they treat us well at 6 and Peabody. Had a great time. Old Smoky Yeehaw. Big thanks to everyone who came out last night. Got to see a lot of season ticket holders, which is always fun. And Hutton, a special thank you, if I may, to Marlon Mueller who is a huge fan of ours, and we're a huge fan of his, season ticket holder from day one. I'm talking about day one of the old show. For a decade. And he's carried over with us now, and we appreciate that loyalty. And he brought me this beauty last night. This is Mick Foley as Cactus Jack, and as you can see, autographed 
to Outkick 360 <laughs> with Bang Bang written on it. Uh, Marlon, this uh, I, I was seriously moved when you brought this to me. Uh, Hutton laughs. I mean, I was, I was I was touched by it, and I was I was trying to think. I said, you know, that really means a lot, and I kind of gave him a little half hug. And the whole time, I'm giving this heartfelt thank you to Marlon PK, who will join us later from Titans Training Camp. Yeah was just crapping all over the gift, talking about us being children and whatever. We may be children, but we all want a little bit of the, the child inside of us to come out every now and again. Well, it's and the now, mentality. Because it's the mentality. Of, yeah, absolutely. It's fun. It's, I'm a fan of entertainment. It says on my Twitter, I'm a lover of all entertainment. And I'm a fan of entertainment, and I'm a fan of this. I'm a fan of Marlon. So, Marlon, you will hold a permanent place in our studio. Um, I'm going to have to wait for a break to find a place to put it. I had this whole moment prepared where I'm going to turn around and then I'm going to place it right here, but I don't want to cover up the enemies list. And from Cody Stutes, we have another Cactus Jack here. So maybe I'll cover up myself shooting the three back here. Let's do that. Whatever it takes. Maybe, we, yeah, that's perfect. Oh, never mind. Perfect. That's perfect. Just, that's perfect. That perfect. Was, that's exactly where it should go. Marlon, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for uh, uh, joining us among the, the the season ticket holders and VIPs last night at Sixth and Peabody. Next segment, it will it'll be on display. Absolutely. Next segment, we'll find the spot for it. It'll be on display. I um, promise, Marlon. Thank you. Uh, no, no word yet on if Paul has crouched in a a, a, uh, a terrible location uh, today. Uh, yes, uh, pistol. Uh, but uh, Taylor Lewan responded yesterday. If you missed yesterday's show, Paul knelt uh, to send a tweet in, in a shady spot and and knelt down. Uh, to the scent of Taylor Lewan's urine. And if you missed this, you can go back on, on Twitter and on YouTube and watch this clip. Outkick tweeted this out, uh, so you can watch it there on Twitter. Uh, Lewan tweets, I don't want anyone ever crouching in my piss, but if it has to be someone, I'm glad it was Paul Koharski. <laughs> Perfect P.S. Those pics of Wit uh, kicking my ass still stings. He's referring to Whitney Merciless and the, the still images of Whitney Merciless whipping Lewan uh, on a couple of pass rushes his rookie season in Houston against the Texans. Uh, Paul wrote a story around that for ESPN, and at the time, Lawan was, was not happy about it and confronted Paul in the media room. That story also retold uh, from yesterday's show, if you would like to go back and watch. Uh, and Paul will check in live from Titans training camp coming up in about an hour and a half. Uh, we knew Lawan would have uh, fun with that, and, well, and, and, um, and Paul certainly did not. <laughs> full full credit to uh, Taylor Lawan because, first off, there's not many Titans or NFL players that would think to pee on the pavement and not the grass next to it that right. Taylor Lawan did just to make a statement and literally make a stink. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, not many people would have the perfect response to Paul telling that story on air and retweeting it, and that was pretty much the perfect response from Taylor Lawan. So... Uh, we appreciate the tweet, and uh, it was all in good fun. And that story from Paul yesterday was uh, what I didn't know that I needed when he, when he told it. I, it was really very memorable, and I'll, I'll take that with me for a long time, much like I'm going to take this photo here that fell down with me for a long time that Marlon gave me. I'm going to put it in its proper place now and then hang it up next segment. Chad, have you noticed how busy the sports world is right now? As we, we, we end July, we go into August, um, and, and just how rare of a time it is for the sports calendar. And yep. just watching all the TVs last night and what, we, what was around us. Yesterday alone, we had the NBA draft. We had a, a massive trade in Major League Baseball. A massive trade in the NBA with Westbrook going to L.A. and the Lakers with LeBron. 
On top of that, NFL training camp news uh, with a lot of quarterbacks, GMs, and head coaches speaking. Uh, NHL free agency started, so that's underway. And the Olympic Games, all on TVs around us last night. It's it's well, and busy, and normally it's not busy right now. You had also, you know, arguably the biggest Olympic competition in the women's all-around gymnastics final yep. uh, taking place live. Uh, shout out to my wife, Angie, who somehow avoided the news that Suni Lee won the gold all day. Didn't go to one news website, didn't look at her Apple news alerts on her phone, completely put it away and had no clue and watched it live uh, as it happened. It was live to her. It was in tape delay uh, last night. So... Got a chance to see that and, and witness her winning the gold uh, in, in person, which was pretty cool. It, it's a great time, Hutton. Uh, I noticed that also last night just watching the, the televisions there. We had an eye locally on Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer and where they were going to go. So we happened to be around the TVs that had the NBA draft on when Keon Johnson was drafted 21st and then traded the Clippers. It, it's a great time of year. Um, starting with the Dodgers, I got a text from a buddy of mine. Uh, who just last year became a, a San Diego Padres fan. He wanted a base, much like Hutton became an Orioles fan a few years back, he wanted a baseball team, and I said, this is the one I would pick. And we started watching them in the playoffs, mm -hmm. and he bought gear, uh, he's going to go to a game, he loves it. But he hates the Dodgers now, because he's a Padres fan. He sends me a text and says, how is this even possible that the Dodgers could spin this and do this? And the bottom line is, it's baseball right? The victories go oftentimes the team that spends more. The Dodgers now, with the acquisition of, of Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, are spending $85 million more than the second place spender New York Yankees in baseball. $285 million is their payroll to $200 million. That is almost 50%, right? It's like 38, 40% higher than number two on the list. That's pretty remarkable, the difference with what the Dodgers are doing versus the rest of baseball. Well, so initially, Scherzer was going to the Padres from a report I saw, or at least the Padres were interested in acquiring him. And next time I look at the phone and Twitter updates, I see where it's not just Scherzer, but it's also Trey Turner who is, uh, is headed to the Dodgers, and they're loading up. They don't have Trevor Bauer. They're loading up on Scherzer. Well, as a huge Braves fan, I love this move because it gets Trey Turner out of the Braves yeah. division, who is a notorious Braves killer uh, every time they play the Nationals. That guy is, uh, I feel like he's batting 750 for his career against the Braves. Great player. Uh, always been a big fan of, of Trey Turner. Um, I mean, the Dodgers, they are, to me, even though uh, they're not in first place in their own division right now, I, I think are the heads and shoulders well, favorite to win the World Series. But think about what they've done. They, they made Trevor Bauer the highest-paid pitcher in baseball. And, what, six months later, don't have him. And now they've just made a massive trade. They trade four, four prospects to get Scherzer, who's 37, I believe, 36, 37 years old. They get Trey Turner, who's going to give them uh, the best shortstop second base combo now with uh, going into the postseason run. That You're right, they're set up for another run. They're all in. And they don't care how much it costs to load up and go for it. And if you're a fan of the Dodgers, I mean, how much do you love this? I said that for years about the Yankees. I, well, the I rich hate, get richer. I hate the Yankees. Yeah. And uh, I like to root against the Yankees. But when they were spending all that money, I mean, you're a fan. You love that. I mean, put the target on our backs. We're still better than everyone else. We're, we're going to make it happen again and win back-to-back -back World Series. I, I think it's a great mentality. And 
kudos to Dodgers for being able to pull it off, but you, you look at that roster now and that payroll at $285 million, and it, it's tough to find – to find a hole in that lineup and pitching rotation, especially if Bauer comes back, which is possible, I if guess, things get but, cleared up. But there are reports that the players don't even want him. You know, again, you, you read into that how you will, what you will. Reports that they don't want him to rejoin the, the locker room because um, he's a problem in the locker room. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember, um, you know, whenever he would do his blog sometimes with Cincinnati or uh, even prior to that in Cleveland. Uh, his vlog, which I'm a, a huge fan of, I, I like watching the inside access um, that that he gives, and I think he's really good at it. Um, but some players would shy away from it, right? Like what what goes on behind the scenes, they want to stay behind the scenes. Major League Baseball hates it. Um, they they find him, and you know that he would go on his vlog and and speak how he felt on those fines, which again is why we love watching it. But I'm not sure every player loves it to the point that Bauer does. Um, some do, but uh, he, he takes you behind the scenes. I, I'm not saying that's the reason why. I'm sure it has to do with all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes right now with his suspension. But the, the fact that they've loaded up and now traded for Scherzer tells you that the Dodgers are not expecting him back. Well, I think two stories to follow in baseball uh, with uh, serious accusations involving a woman. Mm-hmm. Trevor Bauer, let's see where that goes and what happens. And you can look into that and have your own opinions about it. I've got my opinions, opinions about it. We'll, we'll see what happens uh, eventually with that. We've talked a lot about Deshaun Watson on the football side, where you have a lot more accusers, 22. but no legal action taken yet. And you've also got 10 that have filed criminal complaints uh, with the mm-hmm. police, but no legal action yet. Then you get the news yesterday, Marcelo Zuna of the Braves not being charged with a felony. Uh, body cam footage, this is from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, the prosecutors basically decided after reviewing body cam video that they dropped the felony charge of strangulation with his wife, wife, girlfriend, live-in partner, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, so now he's facing two misdemeanors. Now, what he's accused of is terrible, and when it happened, immediately we said, well, Ozuna's out for the season. Right, just immediately put on the shelf. He's not going to play anymore for the Braves. They'd probably get rid of him. If it's two misdemeanors we're talking about, I don't know that it's going to be completely cleared up in time. But what does Major League Baseball do in terms of discipline with that? Could Marcelo Zuna possibly rejoin the Braves at some point this season now that body cam footage shows it's not a felony that he's being charged with? These are the decisions that are tough ones for a league and a team to make. But... There are times when you need to wait it out and figure out what you're going to do. There are other times where if there's nothing happening legally at the moment, go ahead and give a decision one way or the other. It's the opposite to me with Deshaun Watson. The NFL has long done things before any criminal charges are filed or they know there's been a conviction. They'll go ahead and act, and for whatever reason, they're not acting with him. So three different situations, all different, but all worth following. Major trade in the NBA. Russell Westbrook headed to the Lakers to join LeBron, uh, to join Anthony Davis. And so many layers to this trade. First, LeBron gets one of the best players in the league to team up with again, yet again, uh, as they go for another title run with the Lakers. Uh, The ring chasing continues, and they clearly were missing a piece that Westbrook will, will give them in a desperate way. Uh, the next question is, does it fully fix all the Lakers' problems? Because they struggled shooting the three. 
Um, and, you know, you see the NBA Finals, how critical the three-point shooting was for the Phoenix Suns when they went cold and how the Bucks loaded up in that area as well. Westbrook's not a great shooter, but we know he is a general on the floor, and now he's teamed up with LeBron as we see another super team run. I think this is going to be a nightmare. Um, and it's not, be- it's not because of the three-point shooting prowess or lack thereof of Russell Westbrook. I, I think this is a personality mm. mismatch. And I'm not just talking about getting along in the locker room. I'm talking about what the expectations are from a team standpoint and who should be doing what. LeBron James, uh, at times in his career, has been almost overly unselfish uh, with his teammates. So I think that will serve him well with Russell Westbrook. But Russell Westbrook's ball domination style and the way he plays um i don't think works well well with what lebron james wants to do and lebron james is still going to be the leader of this team to your point chad i don't think it works well this is his fourth team in four years westbrook there's a reason for that he hasn't won anything and he's teaming up with a guy who is all about trying to win the championship right this is this is an effort by westbrook to do just that too but the personality clash, that, that's going to be a storyline at some point, right? And it's, it's a stylistic clash. You know, I, I think the personalities aren't going to be great together, mm-hmm. but I feel like LeBron James and Russell Westbrook could find a way to get along well enough to, to win a lot of games. And the team is clearly talented, but from a basketball standpoint of what Russell Westbrook wants to do and what LeBron James knows he needs to do at this point in his career and how he's got to both dominate at times and facilitate – at other times, Russell Westbrook is a ball-dominating, has to have it in his hands, has to go to work, has to you know get rebounds and go coast-to-coast and score at times. Stylistically, I don't see the two lining up well. Well, he's a great athlete, tremendous player. Yeah. Uh, they're better, but there will be bumps along the way. Uh, it, it just tends to happen with the teams that, that Westbrook is a part of. And again, four team in four years. I also, when I saw the trade, can't help but give more credit to what the Milwaukee Bucks just accomplished. No, no matter the, the injury situation, their schedule in the postseason, whatever you want to say, they were down 0-2 to the Suns. And now that we're talking about another super team load up, the fact that the Bucks just won the way they did it with the, the homegrown, uh, drafted talent in Giannis, teamed up with Middleton uh, and, and that core group, trading and bringing in Holiday to, to form that trio that accomplished what they did versus teams trying to load up to go for the Larry O'Brien trophy. I appreciate what Milwaukee did in the small market that much more. Yeah, and if Phoenix would have won, I would have said the same, same thing about same Phoenix, thing. right? Same it's thing. not a super team. The, their, their addition was sort of Chris Paul. That was yeah. the equivalent to Drew Holiday with the Bucks to help try to get them over the top. Well, to tie in your, your thing on Westbrook, there was also some discussion about the Lakers adding CP3 with LeBron. You know, LeBron was at the finals. He was tweeting out, you know, one down, three to go, two down, two to go, talking about CP3 finally getting his ring. And many thought that that was LeBron supporting a future teammate more than it was supporting just a friend in the in the moment. Yeah. They go with Westbrook instead. Yeah. I, and I, I'm going <laughs> to, Chris Paul would have been a much better basketball yeah. philosophical fit with LeBron James than what Russell Westbrook is. Russell Westbrook, I see trouble on the horizon. You're getting a great player. You've upgraded your roster. There's no doubt about it. I don't know that the Lakers have upgraded their chances at a title. 
because there's going to be friction. And I'm not just talking about two guys that are not going to get along. They're going to be banging heads in the locker room the whole time. I'm talking about actual chemistry on the court and how a roster facilitates the rest of the roster. Russell Westbrook is not that guy at times. And uh, I think that's going to be an issue with LeBron James and the Lakers. College football also among the big headlines. Uh, we'll hit, uh, hit on that coming up and what the reaction has been to a big discussion we had yesterday about the SEC and the Super Conference format uh, that Chad proposed, uh, that Clint Lamb also proposed at Outkick.com. We'll, we'll continue to unpack a bit of the details there and get some reaction from you on that exact topic. You can chime in, Outkick360 on Twitter. You can also call the show, 855-208-8806, 855-208-8806, fanduel.com slash OK360. The Olympic Games going on right now. You can bet $10 and win $100, bet $20 and win $200 as a first-time user. You can see it on your screen when you, when you place your first bet on the Olympics. You can bet 10, get 100, bet 20, get 200. It's your choice there. Go to fanduel.com slash OK360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Thanks for being with us on this Friday edition. VolQuest Power Hour kicks off in about 30 minutes. Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com will join us. Paul Kuharski will also check in live from Titans training camp. That is in an hour from now. The very latest on what Mike Vrabel uh, has to say today following the, the post-practice report live from Titans training camp. And we'll get the very news, uh, latest news and notes uh, from everything going on on the practice field for practice number three. Uh, big discussion yesterday was SEC expansion, which was voted, as Chad predicted, 14-0, unanimous vote. Texas A&M voted for Texas and Oklahoma to join the conference. Uh, so it's happening. We, we know Texas and Oklahoma will be joining the SEC. In reading some reaction to that news, not just with the Big 12, but the Pac-12 now has said this, other conferences are probably going to lean the same way. Chad, the discussion is whether or not we will see the college football playoff expand beyond four teams, beyond eight teams. You know, the talk is 12 or 14. And now the discussion is, okay, with the SEC making these moves, should the vote to push through college, the, the college football playoff expansion, should, the, should a pause button be hit on that? Because the other conferences need to figure out how to either load up or how to respond to what the SEC is doing to dominate the teams that will be included in the college football playoff. What, what are the motives of ESPN and the SEC when it comes to the college football playoff expansion, not just super conference expansion? So with that in mind, it takes us to yesterday's discussion. I still believe that the SEC will eventually have their own playoff and that will determine the champion. Like they're going to crown their own champion. <clears throat> I, because I tend, they're, they're not I, I done. Tend, I tend to agree with you, Hutton. It's going to be more of a playoff style with four divisions and two games to get to a champion. And maybe eventually it is the SEC setting the bar for who is the national champion. It was a question I got asked with Russell Smith in, in Knoxville on our uh, affiliate station in Knoxville, Fox Sports Knoxville on Wednesday. And he was asking about the 12-team playoff and basically asking, is it going to happen now that the SEC is what the SEC is and they're going to get so many teams in? 
And I'm thinking the answer to that is yes, because of the same reasons that it's a 14-0 vote yeah. for Oklahoma and Texas. It's money. It's still going to be more money for everyone else, even if it's half the field is SEC. If it's six teams, you're still going to have the automatic qualifier from other Power Five conferences. Uh, the proposal still has the plan for what the one, you know, the highest group of five team would be in there. So I still think it's a win for everyone, even if you get more SEC teams in the mix. And that, I mean, people aren't going to be necessarily happy with it, but it's still a win-win for everyone because it's more money with more teams in a college football playoff. So I think that's going to happen. You know, something I've been reading, I wonder what Greg Sankey did for Texas A&M to get them to vote yes. You know, I wonder what concession he made for A&M to get this thing to be a 14-0 vote. The concession he made was showing Texas A&M the line item for revenue when these two teams were added to the conference. That's what he did for every team in the conference. That's why they voted yes. There was no concession made. The argument from Greg Sankey mm-hmm. is, hey, here's a sheet of paper. Sign this. Here's what you make now, <laughs> and here's what you're going to make. Now, do you want to sign the bottom num- number of what you're going to make or the top number of what you're making now? And every school said, we will absolutely sign the bottom number. And that's why they're being added. It's, it's not rocket science right. as to what Greg Sankey did or told Texas A&M. He said, shut up and take the money. That, that's what he told A&M, and that's what they're happy to do. Uh, so the Pac-12 commissioner, his quote is, it's certainly going to be readdressed, the college football playoff expansion. Remember, that was a two-year process done by four people, talking about the discussion to expand. The proposal is good, but it's not done. We've, mis- we've misset fans' expectations that it's going to be on a very fast timeline. And that timeline was set back in April from Bill Hancock whenever he said that we could see the, the expansion implemented, I believe, by 2023, which is just around the corner. And now the commissioners are saying, well, maybe we should hit the pause button on that expectation as we gather more information about where we're headed in the overall landscape of college football. But the, the, the other resounding issue would be how many teams the SEC would have in that playoff and then the monetary split for the conference, right? And getting even more money, more dominant teams in that playoff to where you you have over half of the teams, or conceivably half of the teams, in a 12 or 14 team playoff from one conference. It's more money for the SEC because they're going to have more teams in the playoff, yes. And other leagues are not going to love that part of it. But it's also more money for them. So I still think, in the end, that's what's going to win out, and that's why we're going to have a 12-team playoff. It was always headed to expanding the playoffs because the money was too big to ignore for these conferences and for these teams. And I think the same rule applies here. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, they're not going to love five or six SEC teams getting into the playoff. That's going to happen, especially now with Oklahoma and Texas joining the league. But they are going to love the extra money they get when that playoff expands from four teams to 12. And ultimately, Hutton, that's what I think is going to win out, regardless of hurt feelings, because the SEC is dominating. It's the it, so now now an anonymous uh, Power Five source with uh, with Dennis Dodd in his column says, with 12 teams, we could just be watching a lot of SEC teams in the 12 team playoff. Another Power Five AD chimes in. Why on God's green earth would the Pac-12 and Big Ten hand over these playoff rights, with on, which only strengthens the SEC? And the response to that is, you don't want you could put a cap on how many teams could be represented per conference, 
But why would you want to do that if you're the Big Ten or potentially even the Pac-12 if you're merging in some way, if you're loading up as well? You don't want to limit your own conference in a good year on what could be represented in the overall playoff. So from a business sense, you don't want to do it even though you know the SEC is going to be extremely dominant as they have been already in the 14 college football playoff. What was the response, Chad? In, in I mean, they're already dominant. Oh, that, of that would be my response oh, is yeah. they're there. Do you, do you want them to dominate the 14 playoff or a 12 team playoff that still makes yeah. more money for your conferences? The ultimate decision is going to be we're going to expand to 12 because we still get more money and we still might get two teams in, you know, if you're the ACC or the, or the Big Ten, as opposed to just getting Ohio State in and then watching Ohio State lose to an SEC team. So as, as it, it goes right now, there is a management committee that Bill Hancock has put together that are discussing how to go about addressing the college football playoff expansion. That's where we are. It could happen as early as 2023. Um, saw a lot of reaction on social media yesterday based on the, the videos that uh, Becky, or Becca and Sleepy Danny uh, put out from OutKick. Um, I combined both names there. Um, I kind of like that. It's s- sort of like... Becky? Uh, like they're, it's like the power it's, couple? It's like Benifer. <laughs> you know, when Ben Affleck... Shout out Sleepy Danny, by the way. Shout out Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Oh, and by also. the way, uh, Becca has the Outkick 360 takeover this weekend on Instagram. Uh, so that will be cool, too. Um, no, but the, uh, the response to the videos has been tremendous with the SEC Super Conference expansion ideas that you brought forward yesterday with one big caveat, and, and that is how you have some of these teams separated. Well, and I... I I will fall on the sword here a bit because I did lay out my my rationale for making the divisions the way, and part of it was geography. I said these make a little more sense geographically, and you know I I played with them a little bit to get sort of some matchups and rivalries in there that that I wanted. People are harping on uh, the East, Florida, LSU, South Carolina, Georgia, Clemson in the East. In the South, I have Florida State, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Alabama, Auburn. And immediately people are, are saying, flip-flop LSU and Florida State, and I love it. Put Florida State in the east, LSU in the south. Look, that makes sense. So then your east would be Florida State, Florida. You have that rivalry. South Carolina, Clemson, you have that rivalry. And then Georgia in there. I mean, I'll, I'll say, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I was really thinking about a way to separate LSU and Alabama in this. Like, I didn't want to see them in the same division again, give a little bit of a different matchup and put Florida State in there as the bonus team with the two Mississippi schools and the two Alabama schools. But everyone's saying, you know, move Florida State to the east. And L- Florida State is further south than LSU also. <laughs> so you'd be putting a team. Now someone sent me the map, and it's not by much. Like where Tallahassee is in north Florida and where LSU is located in Baton Rouge, just north of New Orleans, it's pretty close. It's still a little bit south. And, of course, Florida State is way to the east, but – People are really hung up on the LSU in the East part of this, which I guess I get to some extent. And I'd be fine with, with the, the layout that we had yesterday. I'd be fine. If we have that, Jacob, we can put it on the screen too. You could still uh, have LSU and Alabama play too. Yeah, I mean, look, if we, if we want to play with this a little bit more, I'm open to that change. Yeah. That was the number one. It, it, most people, two things, two responses, Hutton. Sw- uh, swap LSU and Florida State, and I love it. Or, or Tennessee's got too easy of a path. Right, that's never going to work out because Tennessee's path is too easy with that division. So the proposed change from the OutKick 360 audience was take LSU, the the two teams right above each other. LSU and Florida State swap the two, 
and then they think it's perfect. I'm okay with that. Um, I, you know, I, I guess when I was thinking about it, I just wanted to separate LSU and Alabama at the time. Um, but that would put Florida, Florida State in the same division. So you would I mean, have an annual rivalry with those. I understand the rivalry aspect Clemson. of this. My, my two favorite divisions, what you propose, first is the West. Yes. Where you get the old Southwest Conference yep. back together, plus the, uh, the initial rivalries. Also, uh, don't with, those logos just look perfect next to each other? <laughs> yes, they There's do. There's something about all of them reunited. But also, I mean, in the South, because you have Auburn, Alabama, and Mississippi State Ole Miss in there. Uh, it, that's also, to me, just perfect uh, with the layout. And they want, oh, they want Florida State and LSU swapped, right? That's I, the idea? I don't think that there is a clear They being our, our viewers. I mean, if I had to pick here, I would say the East is the best division. But I don't think it's easy just to say the East is going to dominate and be the best division of those four. I think it's very easy to say the North is the worst. If I'm just oh, separating yeah. them, I'm saying, okay, yeah, I get it. The North is by far the worst from a football perspective of those divisions. Great basketball league uh, when you look at the uh, SEC North. But looking at the East, the, the third most common response we got hunting on this yesterday was, what did South Carolina do to deserve your wrath? in this division because they're surrounded by Clemson, Florida, LSU, and Georgia, uh, which I thought was funny. Uh, there's no perfect way to do it. Uh, there is a perfect way to make a lot of money, and that's with this proposal that I'm laying out right here and adding these teams. Um, I think the X factor also here is, is Notre Dame. Uh, we got into this discussion last night at our, at our party. Yep. Uh, what is Notre Dame going to do? I, that NBC money, I don't think, will last forever. But what there's going to come a time you, where it makes more financial sense to join and, up and with the maybe SEC. Maybe the answer is say. absolutely yes, and I'm not seeing the silver lining here. But with the conference expansion and where we're headed, can you stay independent and still be? I mean, Notre Dame is always going to be the the Notre Dame brand. I, I get that aspect of it, uh, and and with the NBC partnership, it's tremendous. But can you, can you be a part of the, the true national championship run and what we're going to see with the domination from ESPN and, and the SEC? And again, under, under the context of we don't believe they're stopping at 16. So if, if you buy into that and you buy in that Clemson and Florida State are looking for invitations just like Texas and Oklahoma received, um, what do you do if you're the Fighting Irish? And I, it doesn't have to be the SEC. You're saying Big Ten. Yeah, and well, I'll follow up on that question with another question. Does the rise of the streaming service and the decline of cable TV and television contracts, does that strengthen or weaken Notre Dame's position to stay independent? And what I mean by that is if you put a couple games on Peacock, mm -hmm. if NBC does, does that raise the profile and raise the finances to where it will continue to make more sense to have your own television slash streaming deal if you're Notre Dame, or are you eventually going to have to when this SEC Plus opens, and they're making so much money off of that, will you have to join up a conference like that? Or if Big Ten pairs with their own streaming One, service? There's, I mean, th those are the big questions that are out there. And I'm not sure what the answer is if streaming services really help or hurt Notre Dame wanting to continue that relationship with NBC. One thing I, I failed to bring up yesterday and, and that we kind of glossed over is how strong the SEC network becomes with all of this. We, we looked at it from an SEC Plus streaming-only scenario where you charge a premium price and you get certain games, certain content. But think about what they could then add on for the SEC network. 
with with this. You know, there's already talk that the the, the Longhorn Network just becomes SEC Network Two, SEC Two, like ESPN Two, and you'd have two separate channels devoted to the conference itself. Um, that that's where they can really grow and expand the overall brand and the money making capabilities of this. They they have not one, but they're inheriting two cable channels through ESPN with the SEC and then the online streaming of everything. Yeah, when and I don't know what ESPN's plan is with ESPNU. I feel like that's going away. I mean, you could have that turn into an SEC too, right? I mean, the Longhorn or Network SECU. flopped. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah or, or just another function of that. I mean, there's so many possibilities of the SEC. Um, are there less possibilities with the independent route for a Notre Dame or more now with streaming services also being an option? That's going to be an interesting story to follow. I mean, right now Notre Dame's in a good spot uh, with their television deal with, with NBC, but that may not be the case soon enough because of the, the formation of a super conference. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360, and you can chime in there. Also, subscribe on YouTube. Ring the bell so that you know we go live each and every day at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. And by subscribing to the YouTube channel, you're automatically entered to win the Sony and Hertz Audison car stereo system prize pack. It's everything you see on your screen from Sony and Hertz Audison, a $2,500 value. And it's all by subscribing. We're going to be drawing a winner at the end of August. We're broadcasting live from Blackbird Studio inside uh, the Blackbird Academy, Studio G. And you can go to theblackbirdacademy.com for more information on how you can go to school. You can take courses right here at the Academy and learn how to become an audio engineer, studio engineer. You can do things in studio here at the world-class Blackbird Studio. Uh, you get hands-on training and then you can learn how to do this on site, on location. You could be the next engineer at the Garth Brooks concert at Nissan Stadium that happens this weekend. Nine world-class studios. We're in one of them. Um, and it, beyond that, over 14,000 square feet of rehearsal space, over 1,400 mics, 50 amps, 60 full drum kicks, 70 guitars. They have everything here for all the recording sessions and all the hands-on experience. TheBlackbirdAcademy.com. Time to make it rain going into the weekend. Jakob Swanson has today's 360 parlay from FanDuel.com slash OK360. FanDuel.com slash OK360. And he's betting against the Orioles tonight as they take on the Detroit Tigers. Uh, here, here's the concept of what Jacob is doing. Matt Harvey gets the start for the Orioles. He thinks Harvey gets drilled and knocked out of this game early because he has him at under four and a half strikeouts, and he's parlaying that with the Tigers' win on the money line, over nine and a half runs. Uh, Jonathan Scope to record at least one hit, former Oriole against his former team, uh, and then uh, Candelario to record a hit as well in this. Uh, Jacob normally knocks these out of the park, these single-game Major League Baseball hit parlays. Uh, $5 wins you $25.12. You can follow along tonight. Tigers, Orioles, join us for the 360 Parlay. I just placed the bet, and this is an age-old game we play on this show called Fade the Orioles. <laughs> and this has worked out more times than one for uh, Jacob Swanson. It's not just the in-game parlay, but we completely fade the Orioles 
uh, with their opposition, and it's uh, worked for us before. And hopefully, it'll, sorry Hutton, but hopefully it will work for us. That's again. okay. That's okay. Uh, I mean, they're only about thirty games out of the wild card yeah. right now. Um, big news in the NFL: Carson Wentz went down with a foot injury at the end of practice yesterday, and we didn't really know the details of that. Uh, Schefter tweets out right now uh, he is out indefinitely as he undergoes further testing on a foot injury that he suffered at the end of practice. Right now, second-year quarterback Jacob Eason takes the starting reps with Sam Sam Ellinger uh, as the backup quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. Again, Carson Wentz uh, went down uh, in Indy with a foot injury. Don't know the details of it, but the report out of Indy is he's just out indefinitely. They're not even saying day-to-day. So, not good as we monitor what happens there. One of the big injury concerns uh, this time of year will be the the quarterbacks and the non-contact drills. I I think of Deshaun Watson. Was it 2017? Yeah. During warm-ups, just taking a couple three-step drops and uh, a leg injury. So, um, we'll we'll follow that. Uh, Wentz says he felt a... uh, I'm not sure if Wentz said this or not. Wentz felt a tinge, uh, a twinge in his foot at the end of Thursday's practice. There was a typo there. Um, that, that according to offensive coordinator Marcus Brady. Yeah, it's uh, the Colts also one of those teams that Vegas loves, you know, in terms of uh, wins over under. I mean, it's well, uh, I mean, they had they had 11 wins yeah. last year, um, and it came down to well, a head to head matchup. Let me say it this way: the they the seem to be optimistic about oh, Carson yeah. Wentz leading the Colts. Well. Uh, because they don't have the same quarterback as they had a year ago with Phillip Rivers. Well, so here's why. Uh, Frank Reich as the play caller. Andrew Luck, in his first year with Frank Reich, had his highest completion percentage of his career. Jacoby Brissett, highest completion percentage of his career in year number one with Frank Reich. Carson Wentz now enters into that. And the, the talk with Wentz has been he forces a lot of passes downfield, he throws into traffic, he takes risks that screwed the Philadelphia Eagles. Will Frank Reich you know, reel him in a bit with some of the play calling, with, with how he designs routes and concepts? That's what he does well as a, as a former quarterback himself. Again, he's very high on those short passes that produce a very high completion percentage within their offense and the structure of their passing game. How much will that help Wentz, someone that he knows well? So. We'll, we'll see, as, as Reich is now, the, of course, the head coach and, and uh, play caller there in Indianapolis. So, but, again, he's not on the field right now. No. Um, the awful development for the Colts uh, with, with him, but we'll, something we're going to have to continue to monitor. Um, you've got a, a take on the, the Russian uh, Olympians that are in Tokyo. Um, it, what are they? The uh, they're going by they're the, the ROC, the, Russia, uh, the Russian Olympic Committee, the Russian Olympic Committee, and they were what were they four years ago? Oh, they were. I, I think instead it was of the even, ROC, it was something else. I think it was like the Olympic Federation. I don't think Russia yeah, was in. So it at they've all. changed their name, yeah. uh, but they're you know they're, basically the penalty is they can't fly their flag and they can't represent um, you know the the flag on on anything they're doing. It's just ROC. It's like taking down a banner after winning a national championship. The fan base and everyone witnessed it happen. They still won those medals. Well, it's not, they it's, they it's, still it's, cheated, but they still... like That's not much of a punishment. It's even worse than that. It's, it's one thing if 
you know, we've talked a lot about doping on this show. Yeah. And uh, it's a personal choice for some in athletics to reach their the top of their capabilities, right? Um, those people should be punished if it's against the rules. It's one thing to have individual athletes deciding, I'm going to dope to be the best in my sport and try to make the Olympics. It's another thing when it's a state-sanctioned, huge organized deal that the entire country is behind with Russia, and you get caught doing it, Yes. and everyone knows exactly what went down. You're completely guilty of it. There is no hiding it. And your punishment is not to sit out Olympic Games, but to not fly your flag? You don't think Russia is gonna acknowledge, not going to acknowledge those medals that they're winning in these Olympics? The punishment, if you really want to punish them, say you're going to sit out the next three games. You're going to take eight years off. In eight years, you can come back in one of the Olympics. And that cripples but your until program. Then, yeah. Cripples, and it's for a country like Russia, mm-hmm. you know, this totalitarian state, it is a big thing with national pride, and it cripples your entire, like you said, your sports system for your country. I mean, if you want to punish them, do that. I'm not saying that's what the punishment should have been, but that's a punishment. Or even completely, you know, sitting out two games, a winter and summer, whatever it is, that's a punishment. Changing your name to the Russian Olympic Committee from Russia and not <laughs> flying your flag is not a punishment. They even get to have their country's colors on everything that they're doing. I just, I don't, I don't get that being the punishment. And Hunt, this is going to tie into something we're going to talk about for a minute, then leading in to the VolQuest Power Hour. Tennessee should not be punished. I'm to the point now where the NCAA does not matter. So if Tennessee paid for recruits' families to stay in a hotel while they were there to watch their, their family play in a game, or they happened to pay for a hotel off-site for a recruit to come in, where we are right now, the NCAA and their lack of any power, I'm past even the slight punishment. Don't even punish yourself. Be done with this. Why the University of Tennessee, my alma mater, is paying $900,000 to a law firm and they pay over 70 k in the month of June to a law firm to investigate themselves to report back to an institution that no longer matters is beyond me. I mean, we're, we're going from a punishment that isn't a punishment to a punishment against yourself for what? Nothing. Nothing that even matters right now in college football. I don't think Tennessee even got a real benefit from whatever they were doing, especially when you look at the 3-7 and seven record this past year. I, I, I don't get it. We'll talk to Brent Hubbs about it. I don't know why Tennessee continues this charade and doesn't just come out and say, and I'm going extreme when I say no punishment, a punishment that's not really going to affect your program. We'll take away some visits for a month. We'll remove three scholarships, whatever it is. Do something Get the SEC to approve it. Be done with it. Quit this charade. And I'll say the same to the Olympics. Quit the charade of acting like you're punishing Russia for a state-sanctioned doping uh, program by calling them the Russian Olympic Committee. Like that's going to do anything. Well, Tennessee, the, the emotions of this from the fan base and from the university, from where we were six months ago to now, with how worried, like the, the discussion was, how are teams using this against them in recruiting, against Heupel in recruiting? How is he battling? What, what's the message when other, other programs are saying, you know, Tennessee's going to you know, face a three-year bowl ban, which is laughable. 
but that's what was being thrown out there, two, three-year bowl ban. Um, that would keep a recruit from going to your school. And, and now it's gone from that to impose the lightest sanctions possible because the NCAA has no power. How quickly that has changed in, in the mindset. The, the, only, the, the real power is with the attorneys that continue to build Tennessee on those billable hours for all this work that they're putting in on this case. Well, James Thrice in the YouTube chat says, in the last 15 years, the NCAA has only come down hard on teams that have acknowledged their authority. They yeah. shouldn't have investigated themselves and left all that up to the NCAA to spend the money if they wanted to launch an investigation. I, I completely agree. I don't think it's even, uh, it's no longer a what's the better course of action. The LSU route and the Auburn route to say, screw you, uh, come find something if you want, but we're not going to cooperate, or the Tennessee route of full cooperation with the NCAA. Tennessee's already penalized themselves. They fired an entire coaching staff. Um, they fired an AD, whether it's a, a retirement or what. It's a firing with Philip Fulmer. Um, they have killed themselves in recruiting because they've allowed this charade to continue mm -hmm. where other coaches are saying they're not going to go to a bowl game for three or four years, which is ridiculous. The punishment needs to end. Go ahead and announce your very light slap on the wrist punishment. Be done with it and stop killing yourself. The main problem with Tennessee football, ever since Philip Fulmer was, was forced out, has been self-imposed. These are not external problems. The main problems with Tennessee football, internal. They cannot get out of their own way. Whether it be poor leadership, poor decision-making, and I think now this is a little bit of both, quite frankly. This is poor leadership and decision-making that we don't have an answer on what the sanctions are going to be with Tennessee and the NCAA. I think it's ridiculous. I think my alma mater looks foolish. They look weak at this point because they're too cooperative with the NCAA. It's an institution that doesn't matter anymore, and I don't get it. For the life of me, I don't understand what Tennessee is doing right now. Big news this hour from Indy where Carson Wentz out indefinitely with a foot injury. Jacob Eason is currently the starting quarterback in practice for the Indianapolis Colts. That means I would expect them today, tomorrow, over the weekend to add a veteran backup at the very least because we don't know the significance of the injury status of Carson Wentz to this point as he goes and, and undergoes further testing on the injured foot. Coming up. The Tennessee Power Hour is jam-packed. We start in Knoxville. Brent Hubbs of VolQuest.com joins us. We'll pick up on what Chad was saying there and much more. Plus, in 30 minutes, we go live to Titans Training Camp on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.